Good everyone, welcome back to another episode of Spark Your Fire. It's uh, our property segments again. We are talking everything and anything about property. And as always, with me today is our good friend, John Camino. How are you doing, John? Hi, David. I'm really good. Really good. Uh, excited to, to talk about property. Uh, you've got me on my favorite topic. Oh, always look at that grin that you have on your face, mate. I can That's tell. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's our favorite time of that month again, when we've got all the data yeah. that's been released from CoreLogic. And we also have our boom and bust report uh, that is uh, released by SQM Research, Christopher Laws. So we'll be chatting about that in our second half. But uh, I guess to start off with, we will have a look at our November numbers first. Um, so looking at the core logic data report uh, released on the 1st of December in regards to the hedonic home value index. In general, I think the headlines pretty much summarize it all. Uh, the national dwelling values fell about 1% in November, which is the smallest monthly decline since June. So I think the, the, um, uh, the level of uh, reduction, or I should say the decline, is, um, is starting to slow. Um, and across the capital cities, I mean, we're just going to call out a few highlights. So um, Sydney's at 1.3%. So again, this is just at high level. This doesn't differentiate between houses or units. We will jump into houses and units a bit later. But from an overall perspective, Sydney was down 1.3% last month. Uh, Brisbane is down 2% and Hobart is down 2%. So those are the bigger players um canberra actually won 1.2 as well um so those are the ones that's got the bigger um decrease or reduction uh in that case in terms of the changing values um but the interesting thing when you look at it from an annual perspective uh sydney's only dropped by 10.6 percent how much gain did we have john if i if my memory serves me correct in the during the pre-COVID to COVID, it was like 28% or something, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right, 28.6%. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So so, so a lot of people's like, you know, the sky's falling, sky's falling, Sydney's going to crash 30 40%. But if you do the actual numbers, you know, depending on, you know, if you had already gained about 20, 28%, I'd say, and then you dropped 10.6%, you still got a good 16 17% gain uh, in that yeah. instance. The the only market that's at risk of sort of dipping below its sort of pre-COVID levels at mm. this point is Melbourne. So Melbourne's only about two percent above the pre-COVID levels, and yep. if this current rate of decline uh, continues, it'll it'll dip below COVID levels in about March, which is funny. quite interesting. Yeah. Funny you say that though, because I thought Melbourne usually follows Sydney pretty closely, but in this scenario, Melbourne actually had haven't had much significant gains. No, that's is right. What you're and saying that, that's right. They didn't have the big gains. Because they they had, I think they had longer lockdowns, so they didn't have ah, the, big, yes. the big gains during yeah twenty twenty and twenty twenty one. Okay. Speaking of that, I think Daniel Andrews got reelected <laughs> again, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Less said about that, the better. But uh, uh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Anyway, all right. Um, Brisbane annual three point three percent, which is funny. Uh, Melbourne is a minus point minus seven percent on an annual basis. Yeah, so I think mm. that's um, that's an interesting observation. Uh, Adelaide strong performer, thirteen point four percent annually. There you go. So I think you've always you you had a really um really positive outlook for Adelaide and Perth, and I think the numbers are starting to talk now, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think I think Adelaide's cooked though. I'd say, uh, I'd say that 
they did a big catch up and 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 uh, it was well deserved. Yeah, uh, I think that's done, and I think the upside going forward is uh, Perth for yep. sure. Perth and maybe Darwin. Darwin. Darwin's a question mark because I, I I wouldn't line up to the SQM conclusion, which is the opposite, and th- they've got more data than me, so I'd go with their numbers. But I think Darwin and, and Perth are at the beginning of a cycle rather than the end of a cycle. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, okay. It's interesting. We haven't we haven't used the property clock analogy for a while, isn't it? Remember mm. the uh, the good old property <laughs> clock, rising market, declining market, that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you'll see that a, a yeah. city would change from a rising to a decline in like in, in an instant blink. So yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um so yeah, Perth's doing really well. So Perth was um held up pretty well. So is the only city that well, no, I shouldn't say Perth and Darwin are the two cities that remained pretty much consistent for the last month. And on an annual basis, uh, Perth is at 3.9% and Darwin at 5.5% um, as well. So um, Hobart, Hobart's been dropping minus 4.1% in the last annual um, and uh, Canberra is minus 1.3%. So look, all these uh, I think clearly shows that the um, if you look at the month monthly data, it does show that the the level of reduction is slowing, uh, which is essentially what uh, what we are seeing at the moment as well. Um, so yeah, so look across the combined capital, I think we we did mention that the reduction is uh, is slowing down, which is good. I'm not too sure what's going to happen in December. Typically speaking, I think we only got two weeks of activity in December. so, Next month's data will likely to be skewed if they ever publish that. John, is that what do you reckon? Yeah, I think I think they'll release some some data, but it'll be okay. seasonally adjusted, and uh, yeah. and you know it's it's not particularly informative. We've got another probably two weeks of real estate action, and then um, but but interestingly, no new listings. So mm. the listings ended about a week ago. Uh, so there's no material listings coming on. So you know we're we're getting to the end of the year. Um, and yeah, as you said, that the big the big news is that the rate of decline has slowed right down. That's being led by Melbourne in particular, but Sydney as well. Uh, and things are starting to settle. Things are starting to settle. Um, mm. I'd say that there's probably room for declines in Hobart and Brisbane. Um, there's room for increases in Perth. I, I see Sydney and Melbourne as being more or less neutral. Perhaps there's a little bit more downside, but uh, but more or less neutral and then it comes into what we'll talk about a bit a bit later which is what happens to interest rates because then we go into the different scenarios yep. about what what's likely to happen and and you know we, it's always dangerous territory guessing interest <laughs> rates but um but things are looking i think things are starting to neutralize here yeah no absolutely um okay so and 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 i and i like what you what you just said basically it's all going to get dependent on the on the interest rate because um the one of the key messages that I took out from this report uh, is the trajectory of interest rate remains the most important factor for our housing market conditions in terms of the outlook. And that Mm -hmm. is absolutely spot on in terms of what we should be looking at. So, you know, that's, yeah, that is essentially that line itself pretty much have summarized um, what the 2023 outlook is going to be um, in that instance. Now, do you want to do we want to jump into the actual houses versus units declines, John? John, I've got that. Uh, yeah, look, I think the only thing we need to say on that is that units are being uh, uh, performing a lot more 
stable. Uh, yeah, they're a lot more resilient than houses mm. at the moment. So generally speaking, what we've seen is a contraction in detached houses at the upper quartile. Uh, so we're seeing, you know, big eastern suburbs and northern beaches and lower North Shore detached houses come down the most. Uh, we're seeing the best performing suburbs being the inner southwest and western suburbs and those sorts of things. Not to be too Sydney centric, but we're seeing that across all the capitals. Um, and uh, again, we're not seeing we're not seeing that in the, in the unit market as as much. So units are units are slightly down. But to, to sort of illustrate, uh, units are down 0.6 percent. And houses are down one point two percent nationwide. So, uh, yeah, units are units are holding up. And what we're starting to see, and I think partly this is to do with two two factors. One is uh, populations increasing again. There's immigration. Uh, Im- immigration tends to go into the apartment market first, but we're also seeing things. Um, a reversal of a bit of the COVID trend, which was uh, about people living, you know, by themselves. We're seeing families starting to co-locate because uh, rents are going up so quickly. So yeah. we're seeing multiple families going into, say, a, a two or three bedroom unit and um, uh, to to afford rent. So that that that's starting to happen, and uh, we're absorbing the excess supply in the in the market. But units are resilient, and uh, and houses uh, are st- still have a little way to go. I think. And that might be because the units haven't had the amount of uh, increase, <laughs> the same level of increase that the yeah, house had, right. right? So, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. not much to drop. Okay. All right. Um, that's good. Now, um, we'll briefly touch on in regards to the rents as well, which I think you've summarized kind of quite well there. So, uh, the rental market around Australia at the moment still remains extremely tight with vacancy rates holding around the 1% or lower in most regions at the moment. So yeah. um, echoing in terms of what you're saying, I think I was chatting to my Queensland property manager the other day, um, even in the north side of Brisbane, um, they are starting to see the trend of bigger families um, as well, which I think previously it wasn't really happening. So, you know, traditionally speaking, you know, you'd be looking at Logan areas are the ones that's most famous in terms of having, mm. you know, a lot of Islander families and, you know, you'll have, they'll have, they'll have um, their, you know, maybe a couple families living together, cohabitating in that sense. That trend is now also moving towards the the northern side of Brisbane as well. Um, you know, there'll be generations, you know, the grandpas, the mum and dads, and also the kids, um, three generations living together. Um, so yeah, that is, that is a, that is definitely a common trend that we are seeing and that's probably going to continue across all of Australia, um, as rents continue to rise. Cause unfortunately it's just a sad fact, right? Like people, if you can't afford to pay the rent, then you either have to keep moving out, um, or you have to try to rent together with someone else. So, yeah. um, but that is good news in terms of property investor yields, because as prices come down, as rents continue to go up, the gross rental yield continues to trend up as well. So um, I think it's all leading up to what we've been saying. It's going to be a property investors party coming up in the next two (laughs) years, John. (laughs) We said that. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) definitely. I mean, there's there's reasons to get involved. You know, interestingly, I had a chat to a uh, property manager yesterday in Sydney and he was saying that he's seeing his, uh, his investor clients starting to prepare to sell their properties um, in 2023 because maybe you know the the interest rates are eclipsing the value of the higher rents Mm -hmm. Um, so that that'll be interesting to see Uh, i don't i mean 
I believe that there's not as much distress in the, uh, so SQM research monitor the amount of distressed sales. And in Australia, there are currently 6,000 dis- distressed sales according to SQM research, but but pre-COVID it was 13,000. So mm. the amount of distressed uh, listings have, have come down. Now all listings have come down. So I don't know if there's that much um, uh, distressed, but uh, uh, we'll see, you know, if, if investors, I would have thought investors would st- slowly start to come into the market, particularly those with a reasonable deposit. But I'm hearing that, you know, anecdotally, of course, that maybe uh, investors are going to be less interested. So we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, I think it's it's also partly to do with the overall consensus and sentiment at the moment, right? It's It's like... We're still seeing property prices dropping. Um, nobody likes to put in put money into an investment which is going to lose value mm. the day that you purchased it, right? So um, there is just that mentality mindset type of thing that that plays a part here is what is what I believe. But like we said, you know, the trend is slowing. Um, if RBA um, start stops in terms of continue to put the rates up, um, then I think that will, like you said, it's going to stabilize. And then people are going to start reconsider residential investment properties again as an asset class that they should hold for a long-term period. So, Well, eventually, look, and that that takes us nicely to the SQM scenarios, the boom bust report. But it's interesting we say, you know, when we say if, you know, when will property investors come back? Property investors will come back eventually. Uh, We're not talking about Bitcoin here. We're talking about uh, real estate and real estate is essential. And it's like saying, when are people going to consume food again? Uh, like <laughs> there's uh, there's always demand for food, so it'll, it's just a matter of when. Exactly. All right. Um, actually, before we touch mm. on the boom and bust report, do you want to general? Do you want to touch on the auction clearance rates uh, for Sydney? Yeah, happy to, to quickly touch on that. So last okay. week, uh, the auction clearance rates in Sydney were sixty four and a bit percent, uh, with nearly eight hundred auctions. So that's pretty. I mean, it's the, the volumes are low, but but it's uh, reasonably healthy. Melbourne at sixty three percent, and uh, Brisbane at fifty six percent. Adelaide at seventy seven percent. Adelaide's still strong, mm. and Canberra at fifty one percent. Now, when it comes to auction clearance rates, only Sydney and Melbourne are the primary sort of auction markets, uh, and and Melbourne in particular. But it's it's still worth going through the list. Now, sixty four percent in Sydney, and sixty four percent in. Melbourne, that's pretty good. It's pretty good. Now, the interesting thing is the week before, Sydney got to 70% for the first time in a year. Mm. So and we, we often talk on this, 70% is a nice round number, which denotes a rising from a falling market. So we are, according to the auction clearance rates, at or slightly below neutrality. So, you know, we're seeing it in the data, the, the price falls are starting to slow down. We're seeing it in the auction clearance rates. It's getting to that 70% mark or getting there and then dropping back the auction markets. It's okay. It's okay. I mean, but, but what I can tell you from the ground is most properties are selling before auction and, and vendors are nervous to go to auction. So yeah. it's not, it's not a, it's, there's, it's a low demand market. There's no yeah. doubt about that. Uh, but, um, but the clearance rates are starting to get there, starting to get there. Um, and just to, to take you a little bit further and, and yes. this is for the Sydney listeners again, in, in the last, week we saw the um, lower North Shore and the upper North Shore at about 74% clearance rates each. And we mm. saw Canterbury Bankstown as the other uh, better market at about uh, 69% uh, 
uh, clearance. Um, we're seeing the the markets that fell the fastest, like the Lower North Shore, like the eastern suburbs, like the northern beaches, uh, start to come back mm. the, the most. Surprise so that's, that that's positive. Uh, yeah. What about eastern suburbs? Well, this this I mean they they were one of the top t- performing clearance rates last week, but this this week it was sixty three percent. Yeah. Inner okay. West was sixty four percent, and uh, Northern Beaches was sixty eight percent. So mm. below, all below seventy. So they're, they're still we're still not we're not we're, the market's not an equilibrium. The the market's waiting uh, rightly for more interest rate increases, um, and in the meantime. That 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 money is going into the rental market. Yeah, yeah, okay. No, thanks for the update. That's uh, that that's good. That kind of sums up twenty twenty two pretty well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, now, so a good segue to 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 look at um, uh, the uh, house, the boom and bust report for twenty twenty three, which is traditionally what we always talk about. I think last year, probably Jazz and I talked about it um, mm. as well. So it's good. Um, the fact that we like it is because um, Chris, uh, Chris, Lewis Christopher has um, has always had a few different scenarios, not just mm-hmm. one. You know, it's not like it's going to be this, but these scenarios also comes with the assumptions and the explanations behind what could play out under different type of scenarios. So, which is why we thought it's a it's an interesting lead indicator well I should say leading in terms of our discussion and we use it as a as a i guess as a segue to discuss our thoughts around the possibility potentially and the likelihood of these happening and do we agree do we not agree that kind of things i mean it's ultimately our opinion to, uh, opinion at the end of the day um but okay so the he's got four scenarios here and scenario one which is the base case is uh, interest rate peaks at no higher than four percent. So basically, the what was it the medium cash rate or the or the was it the normalized cash rate will be about three point eight ish around yep. thereabouts. Yep. Doesn't go above four. Inflation peaks at eight percent and falls back to five percent. Okay, so falls back to five percent in twenty twenty three. The unemployment rises but stays below five percent. Okay, so I think unemployment at the moment is like three point six ish around nice. thereabouts and it'll go so it'll go back up to about uh, higher but still remains below five percent this is his base case uh, and this is what he thinks is most likely to happen now if we look at the figures across the board um sydney is probably most positive out of all that so he believes that under this scenario sydney would have about five to nine percent gain next year yeah followed by perth which is four to eight percent. So Perf is the winner um, across all scenarios, actually. But in this one, four to eight percent. Um, and then we've got uh, Brisbane, one to five percent. Uh, Canberra, two to three percent. Sorry, minus three to minus three to two percent. So kind of like middle. Um, and Melbourne, one to five percent. So Brisbane and Melbourne figure kind of the same. So all single digit, all single digit at this point. Adelaide, zero to five percent. And Hobart, a bit negative, minus 1% to 3%. So the average weighted across all capital city under this scenario is about 3% to 7% gain. So what they're saying is under this scenario, when interest rate doesn't go out of control or they, they don't have to lift interest rate more than necessary, 
when inflation is under control, so in this scenario, the inflation is under control and goes back down to 5%, and the unemployment doesn't go horrendously high, in this case, 2023, the property prices will still go steady. So pretty steady, 3 to 7%. Like we're talking about single digit, which is nothing, you know, it's, mm, it's, not, mm. it's not something that like a 28% or 30% that would make the headline, right? But still, this could be the best case that we could hope for in the 2023 with a lot of uncertainties, uh, but ultimately hoping things will work out by themselves. Mm. I've rambled on too much, John. No. <laughs> no, look, I mean, that's good. To, his base case is positive. Um, yeah. His base case case is growth. Uh, that's the main message. Uh, it also assumes uh, it's called, the base case is called, quote, rates on hold, but this means four more 25 basis point rate rate increases or 1%. So mm. we get a rate increase in December, January, February, March, and then then we're done. So essentially the rate increases are done by Q1 next year. So that's, and, the, and then and then the market gets the confidence from that. And then, you know, P- Peter's, you know, uh, bounces along, bounces along. So it's, it's I like his base case. Uh, do you think, do you think the rates are just going to go consecutive in the next few months or they could, maybe put one or two up and then maybe leave another one or two towards mid to late next year, depending on how things go. Yeah, that, that those scenarios come up. What do I think? Oh, I'm burnt by predicting uh, interest rates, but they're definitely going up in the short term, but but yeah. they're going to go up slowly. The Even the Fed has come out and said, I think uh, Jerome Powell said two days ago that the uh, size of the increases are going to reduce Okay, good. Positive. From, Dece- from December, including December. Mm. So the and the market loved that. So, yeah. So they're, they're all aligned. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. All right. So that's scenario one, which is the base case. Now, scenario two talks about the Goldilocks, which is the really positive case <laughs> here. Not too cold. Yeah. <laughs> the assumption here is the interest rate peaks at no higher than 4%. So same as the base base case. However, there will be rate cuts. They're basically saying then rate cuts in the second half of 2023. So for whatever reason, um, the RBA will start cutting the rates in 2023. And that's going to fuel the property market a little bit. Uh, inflation. So the inflation side of things peaks at 8% and falls back to 5%, exactly the same as the base case. And unemployment. Unemployment rises, but stays below 5%. Again, exactly the same as the base case. So the, the only difference between the Goldilocks and the base case is where there will be rate cuts in the second half of 2023. Yep. And if that's the case, then we are seeing on a combined capital city average of about 5 to 9% increase so the base case was three to seven uh whereas in here uh it's five to nine so it's slightly higher um but in particular looking very very bullish on sydney which is eight to twelve percent increase and a very bullish perth nine to thirteen percent increase there um relatively bullish for brisbane at three to seven percent and relatively bullish for melbourne two to six percent so you know we're not talking about like a significant differences between the base case and the Goldilocks. In this case, we're just adding a couple more basis points. Um, and I think personally, this might be because yes, there will be rate cuts, but it's not going to be like big cuts. There might be just a 0.25, 0.25, you know, to 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 regain some confidence back yeah. into the property market, um, and and also potentially maybe to 
alleviate a bit of mortgage stress as well, um, given the fact they've been going really, really hard in the last mm. six months, right? So any thoughts, John? So t- two things. Firstly, it, it, it's unclear why interest rates would be cut in the second half of the year because there are no differences in the in- inflation assumption. So mm. if we saw inflation come down more in- instead of you know 5%, maybe it came down to 3%, I could see them cutting. But it's unclear as to why they would be cutting in the second half other than maybe something goes wrong, but that's unclear. So yeah, I'm not sure why interest rates are going to get cut. I've always thought that they would break something, but then that would turn up in, in in a lower inflation number but uh but that's not that's not that's not here the second observation is and this is a, a theme across all of the scenarios this is the sydney brisbane uh, sydney perth show like there's all of the scenarios have very positive sydney numbers and very positive perth numbers now i can kind of see why perth you'd be very bullish on perth perth's been undervalued for 15 years now or it's been going down for 15 years I, i'm interested and I'm a Sydney guy. I'm always bullish on Sydney. So, but I'm I'm interested to see that level of confidence with Sydney. Um, this has a this scenario has us nearly going up twelve percent in Sydney in the best case scenario. So, mm. um, the the property market has a way of surprising us. But that would be a big takeaway that there's almost almost a complete reversal of the downside next year if, if yeah. that were to happen so and it's just a reminder to, to all of us property investors take a long-term view because one one year shouldn't put you off uh investing but yeah they're, they're my two observations oh yeah i i, I think yeah I, I totally agree with you i think with the observation you know the first question i asked is what could have caused rba to reduce rates under current circumstances right it's is it too, even if the inflation numbers comes down, is it too early to actually be able to reduce rates in that sense? Because don't forget, we have just put, we have just basically pressed hard on the pedal at the moment to try to get the inflation beast under control. Mm-hmm. And now it's starting to turn around. I don't, yeah, I'm not too sure whether RBA will be, <laughs> knowing how conservative they are, I don't think yeah. they will be dropping rates at that early stage. Maybe 2024 um, is more likely in my personal opinion mm-hmm. but uh yeah 2023 probably a bit of a long shot uh given the fact there's still a lot of uncertainties at the moment with the worldwide with the whole global situation you know um yeah so look just just one quick thing on will or won't the yeah. rba pivot the rba came out uh at the beginning of this week and essentially apologized for people listening to them on the on the um uh, statement that they won't cut, uh, raise rates until 2024. So central banks change their mind and they they do it uh, on, a, on a dime. What I like about the boom and bust report is um, Louis Christopher is not claiming to know what the central bank will do. Mm. He's saying if the central ba- bank does X, then Y will happen uh, be- because central banks change their mind. So will will rates get cut towards the end of next year? Totally possible totally possible they could even come out and say this week that they have no intention of cutting rates next year and it will still happen so that's definitely a possibility so it's a very reasonable scenario fair enough okay awesome uh moving on scenario three which is called false dawn so (laughs) this is i think both you and me john we we think (laughs) this is probably one of the worst (laughs) scenarios that uh that that could play out isn't it so so having a look at goldilocks let's look at what could potentially be the worst case scenario. A cash rate pauses between 3.1 to 3.8%. 
then rises to above 5% in the second half of the year. Okay, uh-huh. so let that sink in. 3.1 to 3.8%, they stopped, they paused it, they thought things are under control. Not really. Second half of the year, they realized things have gone horrendously wrong. We need to mm-hmm. we need to now push the pedal hard again, and they push it hard above 5% in the second half of the year. Inflation, which is the beast that we've been talking about. Inflation peaks at 8%. Falls briefly, then accelerates towards ten percent. So this is, that's what that's what I mean. That's what they mean by false dawn, isn't it? Basically, mm. unemployment stays below five percent. So that third condition is exactly the same as as the two before. However, in this case, I think put it plainly, uh, it's RBA thinks that they've got the inflation under control, but they haven't. Let's put it simply, I think that's the way that I interpret it. Yeah, okay? that's right. Under that circumstances. Perth still able to gain eight to twelve percent, which is an amazing figure, by the way. Like, <laughs> yeah, I like that. <laughs> if you're not investing in Perth, time to look at it. You know um, why I think that is, though. I think that if he's saying inflation comes back at the end of next year, yeah, and that we're in trouble in 2024, which is essentially what this yeah. uh, what this thesis is, um, he's he's obviously saying that the inflation will be in commodities. So it'll be mm. in the oil price. It might be. And and Iron ore, that like stuff. that's going to screw everything up, except Perth real estate. So Perth will do quite well out of uh, a commodity inflation. Yeah. That's my read. Just like a commodity boom, isn't it? Mm. Basically. Mm. Okay. Fair point. Um, Brisbane, 1% to 5% increase. So pretty moderate. Darwin, a minus 4 to 1% increase. Uh, Melbourne, a minus 4 to 1% increase. And Sydney, a 0 to 4% increase. So again, it's pretty much hold steady and even. Adelaide, minus 2 to 3%. Hobart, minus 3 to 2%. And Canberra, minus 4 to 1%. With a combined average of capital city, a 0% to 4% increase. So even under the false dawn type of scenario, it's uh, 2023, I guess, is probably not looking too bad. But what we're more concerned about is the impact to 2024, right. isn't it? Yeah, because that just means the inflation beast is not really under control. It's, it continues to accelerate towards 10% towards the end of 2023. So the immediate impact of that doesn't show up in 2023. Um, and I think that's as uh, as Louis Christopher rightly pointed out, he's a lot more concerned about scenario three than yeah. the next one that we'll be talking about, uh, essentially. So, any other comments, John, on this one? Nope, nothing. Nothing, Dad. That's exactly right. So, so w- we all discovered too late mm. uh, in late twenty twenty three that w- we haven't slain the inflation beast, and we're, we have to, you know, go back into battle, and and that that's the hard landing in twenty twenty four scenario. So it's not yeah. really showing up in these numbers, but it'll it'll be. That there's a yeah, bad 2024. I, I find that interesting too. Fair point. All right. Um, scenario four, which is called recessionary inflation. Um, so this one, under this scenario, the stubborn inflation stays above 7%. Okay. So uh, yes, you know, it may have peaked at eight, but it just continues to troll along around the 7% mark, doesn't really want to go down. The interest rate continues to rise to above four percent. Okay, so in 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 the in the positive scenarios that we spoke about, scenario one and two, interest rate pretty much cap at four, doesn't go above four. But in this case, because of the inflation continues to remain above seven, that's why the interest rate will need to continue to go up. 
uh, above four. And unemployment rises to over 6%. So in the three scenarios before, the unemployment stays below five, whereas in this case, there will be a lot more people without jobs uh, expecting. Okay, mm. so um, so this under this scenario, Perth would still have a gain of about 2 to 6% increase um, next year. Brisbane would drop by 7 to 12%. So it's a negative figure, 7 to 12%. Darwin would also drop significantly, 6 to 13%. Melbourne would be about 5 to 9%. And Sydney, a minus 3 to minus 8%. So also pretty significant. Adelaide is more moderate, a minus 2% to actually a plus 2%. So it could pretty hold much steady. Hobart, a minus 5 to 10%. And Canberra, a minus 4 to minus 9%. With a combined total capital average a capital city average of minus three to minus six percent. So, this is probably the only one out of the four scenarios that has an immediate effect of a negative, of a negative. In other words, the property are going backwards. But you know, I suspect this is more like a bit of a. It wouldn't. I wouldn't say it's a hard lending, but it's a soft, softer lending in comparison to what we could see in twenty twenty four under scenario three, isn't it, John? Yeah, this is this is business as usual. This is that we're seeing a continuation of the current policies, yeah. and we get no surprises. We just can't get on top of inflation. So instead of stopping uh, raising rates in March, they keep going because keep going. inflation hasn't gone down. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people who would sign up to this view, uh, this uh, sort of pessimistic view that there needs to be an, an all up, let's say 20% decline in property values from the peak. Um, entirely possible. Uh, it's interesting to see Perth bucking the trend no matter what scenario we're talking about. So even in this scenario, Perth goes up um, and, you know, Sydney obviously uh, and, and all the other capitals actually look quite poor. I mentioned before that I'm optimistic about Perth and Darwin. In this scenario, Darwin does really, really badly. So mm. interesting to see what... Uh, what happens there? But um, none of these are none of none of these scenarios are the sky falling in though. I mean, these are all single digits up and down. Yes. So the best case scenario is single digits. Worst case scenario is single digits. Um, and that's because property prices have already dropped ten percent in the major capitals. So uh, I, I don't know if I, I don't know if there's a lot of precedent for two big years of property price falls. I don't think that's that's happened. I think it sort of zigzags, and then maybe in the third year it goes down again. So I think I think scenarios one and three are the most likely. Um, one being the base rate, yep. as in rates stop increasing in in March, and then there's a, some cautious optimism that at least things are steady, uh, with some slight price increases next year, or. Scenario three, which is where we kind of declare victory to, on inflation too early too and then early. it comes back and then we're, we're dealing with it again in 2024 and that's probably um, the most likely. Interesting. So you don't think scenario four is likely to play out? It's it's def definitely possible. Uh, uh, definitely possible. Um, I, don't th I don't think they're going to keep raising rates for, for 24 months. Mm. I think they're not going to do it, uh, keep keep going. Um, I do think that there will be a, a wait and see period of time, which feeds into either scenario one or three. So no, I don't, I don't think they're going to keep uh, raising rates until they, they kill something. I think there has to be that period of time where uh, after you've had a big meal, you just have to wait and digest it. And I think that that will be early next year. So 
it's probably more of an economic question in this case. Oh. If the inflation continues to remain above 7%, mm-hmm. apart from interest rate, is there anything else that RBA can do in order to try to get inflation under control? Are there any other tools? Yeah, there are there are a lot of tools. At the moment, they're just talking about interest rates. But the other big tool, <laughs> that's terrible. The other tool that they could use is that the RBA tells the retail banks that they need to retain, uh, they need to keep high reserves. So at the moment, if if the bank has a million dollars, it can lend a hundred million dollars. Mm. What what um what they could tell the banks is that no, you 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 can't keep only a million dollars. You've got to keep fifty million dollars. Uh, so they they have to keep deposits. They have to keep reserves in the banking system, that, and they can't lend it out. So at the moment, you can lend ten dollars for every one dollar. They might say no, you can only lend seven dollars for every one dollar, or you need to keep your reserves higher. So there's definitely a lot they can do. They just basically choke off credit to the economy yeah, by telling telling the banks they can't lend. That's killing it's liquidity, a, isn't it? Basically, it, that's right. It's a bit like it's a bit like telling APRA how to regulate. It's a little bit like that. Yeah. But um, but in the US and the UK and Europe, where they don't have an APRA, it would you would call that you know keeping uh, more reserves. Mm, so that's okay. the other way they could do it. The RBA come out and tell or APRA come out and say that they have to tighten up lending. But that would be a much more aggressive approach. Uh, but you wouldn't have to put interest rates up. You wouldn't have to put interest rates up. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. So less 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 harm to general public mm-hmm. in that sense. Okay. Yeah. Well, so I think a lot of what we we're talking about the the real estate market now, but I think a lot of what is actually at play when we're talking about interest rates is the FX market. Yes. So the reason they can't uh, they can't leave interest rates low and just regulate lower lower lending is because the Australian dollar would crash. So a lot of what is actually at play here is uh, is supporting the the Australian dollar. Mm. Interesting. Any other tools apart from that that you think of? Uh, oh well, the other thing that they c- could do to rein in inflation is um, is uh, run a budget surplus. How do they do? That's such a deficit at the moment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so th- there aren't that many things that they could do. So. <laughs> They could ask, yeah, the federal government could run a surplus. So I, I, I doubt that that's going to happen. Okay. Um, mm. But that would be the other thing. Okay. Cool. All right. Now, that's fantastic, John. Um, you did really well. That was uh, oh, that obviously you. wasn't that part was of the relief. script. <laughs> <laughs> I get an A minus. I went, uh, I, I just thought that was that was an interesting thought that I just popped in my head. I thought I asked to pop the question. So um, here's, a, here's, a, here's a question for you just to, as we as we wrap up. Yeah, go so, for it. Okay, here we are at the end of 2022. Mm-hmm. Are prices in 2026, because remember we talked about the 18-year cycle. Yes. Prices in 2026, are they higher than at the peak in 2021 or are they lower than the peak in 2021? I think it's going to be higher mm. in general. It's going to be higher. Okay. I, I do think it's going to be higher. I mean, 2020, it's four years away. Yep. Which is, and and I can't even tell what's going to happen in three months' time at the moment. <laughs> My yeah. crystal ball gazing skills has gone, has obviously gone backwards uh, yeah. for a long time. Um, it's absolutely terrible. But I do think, in general, because of these inflations, and we all know inflation just continue continues to push prices up. Um, so if you're using just pure dollar figure perspective, yes, it will likely to be higher, in my personal opinion. Yeah. Um, 
But then again, from an absolute value perspective, like using your, you know, if you use the actual comparison against gold, et cetera, that I, I wouldn't know. Like I would mm. say it might be on average um, similar. Yeah. My so I think I, I think that it'll probably be higher in 2026, although okay. all these scenarios will feed into that. Sure. If, if real estate, if, if you think, listener, that real estate will be higher in 2026 than it was in 2021, and we won't know for a couple of years, but if that's what you think, then all of what we said today doesn't matter. You, you should like buy real estate. Mm, mm. Um, yeah. So th- these are very short term. I mean, we, we, we've gone through scenarios that uh, will play out over 12 months, but really what happens in the next, say, five years, 10 years, even longer perhaps is is more important. So everyone needs to do their own diligence and, and, um, and this SQM boom and bust report is a great place to start. So I recommend you all have a look at that. Yeah. Awesome. Yep. Definitely. Uh, keep a long-term view when, and when looking at uh, investment assets like property, because yeah, that's the real world. Like we always been saying, I don't know, there's probably the hundred million times that we've been saying this, the real wealth in property is over decades, not within yeah. years. It's decades, you know, 10, 20, even 30. So that kind of thing is where the the real, the compounding wealth is, is really what's going to, make people rich and wealthy in a long mm-hmm. run. So whilst we're talking about short-term predictions here, like looking at 12 months, looking at a couple of months, that kind of things, you know, in the grand scheme of things, when you look back, you'll be like, no, it doesn't really matter. So, yeah. And just to, to put a bow on it, Tom Panos tells this story about how uh, he was, when he, he was 20 and he was sitting down with his mentor and his mentor owned 80 properties, a very uh, a millionaire yeah. in, uh, in the Marrickville area. And, and he said, Long, c- come and sit down. I'm going to tell you, everything you need to know about property. And so Tom Panos gets his notepad and his pen and he he's ready to start writing. And the guy says to him, never sell. <laughs> never sell. That's, all That's you right, need to never know. sell. Yeah. Hold, never sell, basically, isn't it? Right. Yeah, awesome. All right, well, that, uh, that puts an end to this episode. And uh, look, um, as we know, December and January is generally speaking a very quiet period for properties. Um, so we, this will be the last episode of this year for the property segment. Um, so for all the listeners, thank you for joining us this year. We hope you enjoy our show. And, uh, as always, you know, we welcome any kind of feedbacks. Um, should I be talking less? Should I be talking more? Should John be talking less? Should John be talking more? Any kind of things, any kind of feedback, what would you like us to talk about more in 2023? We are always open to years. Okay. Open to suggestions, whatever you guys like us to talk. Um, but we all want to wish you a very Merry Christmas and a safe one, uh, please. And um, and we look forward to seeing you guys back again in 2023 with an even interesting, even more interesting property market than 2022 and a positive one. Absolutely. All right. Take care and uh, we'll see you guys again in 2023. <laughs>